0: We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Today's Bible reading is taken from John 14, verses 15 to 23. can be found on page 1092. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit... If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me, because I live. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who have my commands and obey them are the ones who love me. Those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, "But Lord." Why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, those who love me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. This is the word of the, of the Lord.
1: Thanks so much, Susan. If you'd like to take up your Bibles and turn back to our first reading, that's in uh, Acts Uh, chapter um, 2. I'm going to be looking at those verses that we were looking at earlier, uh, but they're obviously connected with what we've just heard read. Well, good morning to you. Uh, My name is John. If we haven't yet met, I'm the uh, vicar here. It's lovely to have you with us. I add my welcome to Natasha's. We're going to spend a little bit of time thinking about this first Pentecost. I wonder whether you've ever felt powerless let me tell you about my uh, Tuesday evenings at school when I was eight. Uh, whole year group used to head out to the carpentry shed after supper at 5.30, 30, uh, where Grez was. I'm telling you about Grez. Grez was short. Uh, he wore an earring. he had a colorful vocabulary, and he had a wonderful mullet. Uh, but above all, Grez had an extraordinary talent for woodwork. And each term we would start a new project. Uh, we got a piece of paper. Uh, and a pencil to draw our design uh, on it. No, no rulers or measurements. Then we would hand this to Grez. Grez would have a look at it. If he was satisfied, he would draw a vague outline on a block of wood and he would give us uh, one of these. You know, the really thin blade and the arm thing. It's called a coping saw, apparently. And then he'd say, cut it. And off you go and you start cutting. Now, uh, I brought to uh, uh, carpentry an uncommon combination of massive ambition and minimal ability. And uh, so my my project uh, on on one occasion was to make an aeroplane. I I was initially hoping this was going to fly. Grez quickly uh, brought me back down to earth. Pun there, yeah. Uh, And uh, he gave me a three-inch block of wood. Uh, He took his pencil uh, from behind his ear, sketched the outline on it, and then he said, right, off you go again, get to work. Well, painfully, slowly with this thing, I, I began to cut a me- meandering line. Week one, I just about got from the outside of the block to, to where my line actually started. Week two, a couple of centimetres further along, snapped a blade. Uh, week three, I snapped a further two blades. I was beginning to lose focus. Anyway, and so it went on week in, week out until we got almost to the end of the term. Last session of term, nine weeks after uh, I'd started, all I had to show uh, for my measly efforts was a vague little grated cheese look, kind of sort of around about seven-eighths of this uh, fuselage. The rest of it looked exactly the same as it had done at the beginning of term. And I brought it to Grez and Grez took the wood and he picked it up, he had a quick look at it, and then he got out one of these. His, uh, his blackened and decker saw. And and in about seventy seconds flat, he went like that, and just cut round the entire piece, handed it to me, said, Sand it. Sand it. Yeah? Off I go. Nothing said powerless like that particular moment. I wonder whether you ever feel like that in the Christian life. You feel like it, it should probably look like that, but in fact it looks more like this. I just can't do it, Captain. I don't have the power. Perhaps you've had extraordinary experiences of God's power at work in your life at some stage. Perhaps at the other end of the scale, you feel uh, like a, a bit like me with my coping saw. Perhaps even you feel like your faith just doesn't have much grip on reality at all. You come to church, you do your thing, but frankly, you never not sure it makes any difference. Perhaps you feel a mixture of those different things at different times. It's a great question, isn't it? Where in the Christian life, if at all, can we get power? Well, today, as we've already begun to do, we're looking at the origins of the church, where it all started, the first Pentecost. And I want to suggest this is an absolutely decisive moment in getting us to where we are uh, today as Christians. And I'm praying that as we look at these first moments in Pentecost, we would gain a new sense of our purpose as Christians, but also A renewed hope to receive from the Lord all the power that we need to fulfill what he's called us to do. And the first thing we learn from these verses that we read earlier is that we are in the age of witness. We're in the age of witness. You probably remember uh, from uh, uh, from primary school, the ages of civilization. uh, Stone age, bronze age, iron age. God's calendar for his creation has its own ages. And the age that we're in is the age of witness. This is what God is doing in our times, and he has been for the last 2,000 years. At the ascension, uh, Jesus said, Acts chapter 1, verse 6, you can see it there in your Bibles if you want to follow it. We looked at this last week. You will receive power, he said this to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus had taught, he'd healed, he'd done amazing things, he died, he'd risen again, now he was going away, and his disciples were to witness, that is to testify, to talk about uh, what he had done, and share it with others. That was their task, and we are their inheritors. It is our task too. And then, once he'd given them a task, he explained the scope. He says it starts in Jerusalem, So uh, verse eight, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's the town where they all were at the time. And then he says in Judea, that was like the the wider local area or county. And then he says Samaria, which is the region just to the north uh, of where they were. So a bigger area, a bit further away. And then he says to the ends of the earth. So Jesus, as the the, the picture uh, sort of illustrates, has in mind these kind of concentric rings ripples of witness going out people talking jesus all the way uh, from jerusalem all the way to the ends of the earth and so jesus teed up this age of witness and then we get to the beginning of chapter two uh and that age actually starts chapter two verse one when the day of pentecost came they were all together in one place Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this is an amazing moment. The Spirit Jesus had promised is now here. And in that first moment, the global impact of the gospel began to happen, even just in Jerusalem. So we had that beautifully uh, read by Tiwa earlier. Verse eight uh, of uh, chapter two. How is it then that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, and so on. You can you know, test your translation of pronunciation. is a great place to go. The point is all these different nations, we all hear them declaring, verse 11, declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. So here's what was happening. There were representatives of all sorts of different nations in the city Jerusalem hearing about Christ. And so the gospel was already right then gearing up to go to the ends of the earth. That was the age of witness. Now, I think it's, it's worth just pausing for a moment. Just to contemplate. Try and get yourself back to the first disciples and just sort of get your head around what it must have felt like. It's one thing for us right here to sort of see two thousand years of church history imagine for them they were a very small group of people they felt pretty insignificant the people around them didn't believe what they believed in fact they thought they were a little bit odd they were small enough it seems that they were very much in personal touch with each other at this moment and jesus says to them god's plan is that the message about me known currently by this vanishingly small in the grand scheme of things group of people Is going to go to the whole of jerusalem? No, he didn't say that I mean, that would have been a really big deal, right? So imagine them thinking what just us to the whole of jerusalem No, no, he didn't say that the message about me is going to go to the whole of judea This whole region everyone in this region is going to you didn't say that It was just get your head around this jerusalem What are we talking, 100 people? 2,000 years ago, remember this is days before the internet and that kind of stuff, you can't get a satellite phone to get the message around the earth. Jesus says to them, this message is going to the ends of the earth. Well, that is extraordinary, isn't it? And then he says, and you're gonna do it. What did they feel like? What did they feel like? Seriously, they may have asked. Funny, is now. I wonder whether you feel like that sometimes. Uh, I sometimes go, go up to the top of Crowhamhurst and, and I look out at all those uh, houses there. And uh, all the people are living there and I think the message is going to go out to the ends of the earth. And I say, Lord, seriously? But then I think, how far have we already come? I mean, this is pretty extraordinary, isn't it? We are talking about the life of a 2,000-year-old Nazarene Carpenter right now. The gospel has gone out. There is a witness all the way to the ends of the earth. Even Croydon has got it. It's extraordinary. And we have a whole nation, this nation alone, a very long way away from Jerusalem, covered in churches. What's more, the gospel has gone around the whole globe. God has drawn billions of people into his great purpose of witness. The the gospel is not in every people group. And by the way, if you want to spend your life translating the scriptures... So that a people group could come to know that the language that the words of the Lord in their language That would be a fantastic way of spending the rest of your days But there is no country in the world without a witness to Christ So we are in the age of witness God is accomplishing what he said, however feeble we may feel he's doing it And when you look at the big picture, it doesn't look like he's about to stop So we're in the age of witness So therefore, let me encourage you to find your purpose. Today, as we remember this is God's purpose for our age, how can you find your purpose in it? Of course, there's much more to life than just talking Jesus, but as Christians, we are inheritors of that mission to witness. We all have a part to play in this. It's it's there for us to weave into the fabric of our lives, into the mix of going shopping, sending WhatsApps, chatting at the school gate, running business meetings, writing spreadsheets, Comforting colleagues, making lunch, so forth. Into all of that, the Lord wants us to weave witness. Perhaps you've got an opportunity to invite a friend uh, to church on a Sunday. Perhaps you could share some teaching that you found online with someone via social media or message it to a friend. Perhaps you've got people uh, around you, live around you, who've got uh, kids of toddlers or primary school age kids. They'd love to come along to some of our midweek ministries. Have you got an opportunity to disciple your children or your grandkids? Is there a moment for you to open a conversation about the gospel uh, in the pub with your friends? Could you invite uh, your friends to the women's curry night uh, this Thursday? Might you be able to start up a Christian union at your workplace or your school uh, if you work in town in London? Perhaps you have connections there with a, a workplace ministry that does lunchtime talks that you could invite people to. Perhaps you could simply tell your story, the story of your faith to your friends. Perhaps the Lord is calling you to mission in another part of the world perhaps to another part of this country, perhaps to an area with little gospel uh, witness. How can you and I find our purpose within this great purpose of God's? Okay, so that's the age of witness that we're in. And that much I think actually is probably not very controversial and actually not that difficult to understand. I often think the problem is not so much getting understanding the task. For me personally, it's having the power to do it. We, we feel daunted. We feel overwhelmed. Uh, we feel distracted, often, frankly, apathetic. Well, wonderfully, the Lord has not left us with our own little coping sore or own little non-coping sore uh, as I had it. The picture that emerges from Pentecost is that we have the Spirit to enable us. We have the Spirit to enable us. At the first Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit changing people's lives. Now, not everyone is convinced by what happens here. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. And uh, today, uh, we see the same. We see the same even within the church. People say, oh, calm down a bit. No, let's, let's not get too enthusiastic about this. You know? Let's just keep it nice and normal. But clearly, something happened. These frightened Galilean fishermen turned the whole Mediterranean world on its head within the space of a few generations. How did that happen? Well, what Peter uh, explains uh, going a little bit further in Acts chapter 2 verse 17, he said this was God's power at work. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. He says, all people. There was a time when God's spirit had come on some people, some of the time. Now it's everyone who believes all of the time. There is a spirit to enable us. Now, there's so much to say about the spirit. Uh, and this morning is not the place for even uh, a, 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 a tiny fraction of it. But just a couple of observations uh, to leave with you. The first one is this. God moves the church. It's God who moves the church. Anything spiritually good in our future, in our future as individually as disciples, in our future together as a church family, and in our future globally, anything good is God-powered. And we want to do our bit. That's absolutely right. You know, persuasive preaching, putting on lots for young people. Uh, We want to, you know, have... Great worship and production and so forth. We want an attractive welcome in our church. Uh, we want to put on great community uh, outreach. Um, we want to live obediently in our own lives as a witness to other people. Uh, we're trying really hard for that. and All that's fantastic. None of that is the engine in itself of good things that are going to happen. God moves the church. Its progress comes from him. Now, there are ways we can engage with that, and I'm going to get to that in, in just a moment. But to some extent, I think it's good for us all to just stand before that and recognize it. To some extent, it will remain a mystery to us. Perhaps you've had times in your life where the Lord has just done extraordinary things in you and the people around you. And it's just not that clear why. Um, Perhaps you've seen that to be true of whole churches. Suddenly, the spirit just blows through a church in a way that you've, You kind of never expect it. And then there are other times when it seems to dry up. And that seems to be true of Christianity around the world. The spirit blows through the whole of God's church, but it would seem it doesn't blow through at the same rate all the time. So in the West, we have great freedom to worship, uh, but the church is declining rapidly. Uh, In Iran, by contrast, it is growing massively under very, very difficult circumstances. I remember a lovely uh, lady from Iran appearing at my last church, and she was telling me how had they'd been doing Bible studies in a in house in Iran. Uh, but uh, eventually she decided to leave. I said, why did you decide to leave? Well, they came and ransacked my house. They trashed it because they realized we were, we were meeting together to study the Bible. Didn't dissuade her from doing it. The, the, the Holy Spirit is blowing in an extraordinary way through the global church. Ultimately, we learn from Pentecost that God moves the church Now, listen, I promised the team that I wasn't going to go on forever today. So I I, I think I'm about to um, uh, undermine that particular promise. But I just, I would love to share this illustration with you. Okay, look, it's like this. See, sometimes we think we move the church. It all comes from us, okay? So here is a a medium-sized Christian, okay? And, um, you know, they've got a lot of energy. uh, So they sort of, you know, pour out what they have. So you're going really well as Christians, you're trying really hard. And then and then they run out. And that's that's all they could do. Aha. Uh-huh. But there are other Christians who are bigger. This is, perhaps this is an Emmanuel Croydon Christian. Oh, so impressive. Big and talented and gifted and so many resources. No they run out as well. If you try and do church, if you try and do the Christian life on your own, you may last for a little while, you may last for a long while, but in the end, you're going to run out. The only hope, the only hope that we have is if the Lord actually fills us up. Right? And if the Lord fills us up, we can keep going. We can keep going forever. Trouble is, a lot of us have a lid. And we don't want to open it up. We want to keep it firmly shut. I'll just do this by myself, thank you very much. I'm actually, it'll last really long. We'll, we'll, you'll dry up eventually. Okay? We have got to open the lid and say, Lord, come and be in us so that we would keep going. You would keep feeding us, keep us going. God moves the church. And we've got to believe that individually and we've got to believe that corporately. So just final two thoughts then. That means I think we look to the Lord. We look to the Lord personally. Paul uh, says elsewhere, um, he says, be filled with the Spirit. So we all have the Spirit, but there is a way of engaging with the power of the Spirit, it means, uh, that, that is at work with us. We, we can look to him personally. So you know those moments when you run out of beans spiritually? I, I think we all know them. We, we, we go to the Lord, Lord I don't have it myself, please give me the courage, please give me the motivation, please change my heart um, so that I can go your way, including your way of witness. Give me the right words to say, give me the opportunities. We can look to the Lord for supernatural intervention. In fact, I think we have to, we have to look to the Lord for supernatural spiritual endeavour. I want to encourage you this this morning. The Christian life is a supernatural activity. It is not a natural activity. You can pretend to be a Christian, and if you are well-educated and you're good at acting, you'll be quite persuasive for a while. But ultimately, it doesn't go anywhere. The only thing that's worth having is the stuff that actually comes from the Lord. And so we look to him. Now, of course, we're not going to be rid of our failings this side of eternity. uh, And and we will continually... uh, let each other down, we're going to let him down as well. But I think we can expect him to do extraordinary things in our lives personally. And then finally, we look to the Lord as a church. Oh, we have so much going for us as a church, don't we? So many people uh, on a Sunday morning, such energy, all the young people, great heritage, wonderful gifts. We don't despise any of that. And we're grateful to the Lord for all of it. But let's look to the Lord. Let's look to the Lord. He's the one that's going to get us going. You know, I've loved the fact that um, uh, the last prayer meeting, last prayer at the center, we had more people in person than we've ever done before. And I'm I'm just wondering whether that's a sign that we have a new sense that we need to get on our knees to the Lord uh, for Him to sustain us. I wonder whether that's true. I'm not sure. But I know that's where we need to go. We need to go to him to fill us as a church, to stir us, energize us to new obedience, new passion for souls that he might see his purposes fulfilled even further to the very ends of the earth. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we want to Uh, Praise you and thank you, first of all. How unthinkable it must have seemed to those disciples that their story would be told in a church in South Croydon, thousands of miles away from them, a place that they could not even imagine. And yet it has come this far to our lives. We want to thank you that we have received the witness of Jesus. And Lord, we pray also that you would help us in turn. Do our job of witness. Lord, weave it through the whole of our lives. You know the people that we've put on our hearts, the people we've been praying for these last couple of weeks individually. You know this community. You know every wonderful soul, every precious person made in your image here. Oh Lord, may we see your work of witness going out. And Lord, for that, fill us with your spirit. Save us, Lord, from going our way ourselves, from putting our hope in all the things that we have, and instead give us hope in you, our wonderful and powerful Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast.
0: For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk.